Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast brought to you by Yes Express. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. And today we have a special guest back on returning. And uh, we have a, a very important subject to talk about today. Uh, something that's going to impact every one of your businesses out there um, coming up here in the very near future. And what that is, is the economy and the changing economy, the talk of recession in the future coming up quicker than we probably want to think about the, the constant pressure from inflation and uh, everything that's going on out there and interest rates and all that good stuff. So I want to have Greg Crabtree back on here from Simple Numbers. As you know from before, he's a speaker, an entrepreneur and a financial expert. Um, he coaches me a lot in this stuff and so does his group. So I really wanted to bring him back on and get his insight on what he's seeing in the in the market now. Now, just as a background, he sees data sets from hundreds of companies around the country and not just in contracting, but in general. Um, so I'm curious to see what kind of uh, trends he's seeing right now and to also just talk about what uh, the current economy and the future expected economy, what that looks like for contractors. So Greg, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's certainly been a hot topic of late. So, uh, yes. and I think it's going to continue to be. So, uh, so it'll be interesting to kind of go through uh, kind of what your audience you know needs to be prepared for if they want to be the ones that come out on top. So, yep. And I know Tony Robbins talks about this, that, you know, businesses, uh, there's, they go through, they don't go through, but they're part of this whole economic season, right? The seasonality of the economy mm-hmm. where you have your spring where things are starting to grow and it's interesting. Then you have summer, so you're working hard and making some money. Then fall, you can reap all this reward. But then inevitably there's winter and winter is what takes businesses out. And I believe that we're seeing some glimpses, some cold mornings, if you will, some frost on the horizon here. And what I want to make sure is all of our listeners are getting prepared for what that could be. And if we're totally wrong, Greg, completely out of our minds wrong, we can only be more prepared, right? We just don't want it to blindside, yeah. especially without so many new people that are listening that just started businesses in the last three, four years that have never been through. They've only ever seen up. They've never seen correction. I want to make sure that our listeners are preparing themselves. So Greg, you know, how do you see the current economic conditions in, in, you know, through your different data sets, uh, especially as it pertains to the contracting world? One thing I'll say about winter is you, you never want it to be always winter and never Christmas. Yes. <laughs> you know, and so that, 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 that's kind of the, the worst part of it. Yeah. I, so let's step back and, and kind of look at, you know, the thing I want everybody to understand is every economist is missing the most critical data point that's been right in front of our eyes. And it's now starting to come out in a few of the things that I've seen just in the last few weeks that people may be starting to get their head wrapped around it. But we saw it and and I, I you know, it's it's part of our core philosophy. The number one thing that it takes to make money in business is the leveraging of labor. And the people who deploy labor effectively and get margin off of it and can continuously acquire labor, deploy labor make profit off of labor. Those are the companies that win uh, in, in terms of profitability. And what our data set shows to us is that we ran out of labor in the U.S. economy in the fourth quarter of 2019. Now, the problem is, is it takes a month or two for labor statistics to pop out. And, and if you remember, kind of February of 2020, we kind of got distracted with this thing called COVID. And then all of a sudden, everybody froze. Some people went home. We d- totally disrupted the workplace and hybrid work schedules, remote work schedules, and, and, and all of those things. But the, the core reality is this. The economist, and there's, a, there's actually a chart that was in the Wall Street Journal 
a couple of days ago that talked about the labor force and it shows this ever increasing line and it shows this forecast that just continues to keep going and it shows it hitting you know the covid point and it crashes and then it comes back and it's only come back to the same number that we were at at that growth point and what they're failing to understand is there is no more humans coming to to solve this I mean, we're below replacement birth rate and dropping worse i mean we were at 2.4 replacement birth rate in 2001. We're at 1.8 uh, in early 21. We're probably closer to 1.7 now. And and so, what the what we've never faced before in an economy is a stagnant to declining population. And especially, you know, even though total population might not appear to be, it's about the workers. And when you look at workforce participation, we're headed towards 1960s level workforce participation because, you know, old people like me, my peers have all retired. Now, I, I like what I do, so I'm, I'm not retiring, you know, but but, you know, my peers, I mean, I, I just got a text before I came on the podcast and these guys are playing golf and it's like, dang it, I got to work today. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's like, but but they're all consumers. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have this in, and it's and it's an extraordinarily large amount of consumers that are sitting there buying services, buying product. And there's not enough workers to deliver it. You know, we always thought that when the baby boomers went into retirement, it would be Social Security that would collapse. Well, we kind of figured out that as long as we have a printing press, Alan Greenspan famously said, we're never going to run out of money as long as we, we have a printing press. Well, I mean, the government's kind of you know dealt with that, you know, to some degree. But the bigger issue is not so much, you know, the, the in, inequity of, of Social Security funding. It is the fact that you have way too many buyers with way too many with way too few producers. Mm-hmm. And tell me where that's going to change. I mean, oh, well, okay, we can fix that with 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 immigration, right? You know, I mean, we you know we can't even get each party within their own party to agree on immigration reform, much less get the two parties to agree. Yeah. And and so it ain't coming there. Um, birth rates below replacement birth rate, and and so to a certain degree, I mean, across the board, all of our clients are that can access international labor. I mean, I, I've never seen as big a push than ever for accessing international labor where it can be used. Uh, in in the uh, contractor services world, um, you know, you can't use uh, can't access somebody remotely to swing a hammer yeah. or to to use a shovel or to. Uh, you know, or to, you know, to put up a structure. So those have to be physical workers. And, and, you know, that, that is a challenge. And, and, and so we're in this weird time of where I don't, even though we might go into a recession, it will be for a different reason. It will be because we can't get it done less than the fact that there's not demand. You know, and and so I'll point everybody to Wall Street Journal a couple of months ago, just do a search on Latvia. And there was an interesting article in the Wall Street Journal uh, that was an expose on Latvia as a picture of a country that's dying, not, you know, not from political turmoil or anything like that, from population turmoil. They are declining. The kids, and, and even though they're below replacement birth rate, even of the kids that they have, they're not staying there. They're leaving. And you've got all of these seniors and retirees that cannot buy things they need. There's shortages of product. There's shortages of services. And it's a microcosm of where we are headed. And I don't know that the leaders understand all of these dynamics because they're they're using old school thinking of adjusting interest rates and all those things. And in yesterday, great great article yesterday in the Wall Street Journal talking about the Fed's ability to combat inflation. They're over. I mean, if you go back to every time we've had inflation and you look at the result of the Fed's actions, they pushed us into a recession. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they are as clueless as they come in terms of understanding. And, and the reality is the, the, the best answer is just don't worry with it. I mean, don't I mean, it, it will fix itself by supply and demand. And, you know, everybody worry, you know, worry, what you worry about with inflation that we've had in the past is everything didn't inflate. Well, this is a different inflation. This inflation that we're facing today is different than we've ever faced before because it's driven by one thing and one thing only, lack of labor. 
Tell me who is not having the potential of significant increases in pay across all of the landscape of every industry, every occupation. Yeah, everybody. everybody. Now, now there's some people that are sticking their head in the sand and sticking with a, a low paying job, you know, that, that they're just too, uh, too clueless or too lazy to actually go look for another one. But I mean, all across the board, people are, are getting significant increases in pay that, and you can, you know, depends on which group you look at it's studying, you know, purchasing power. Is it staying ahead, staying behind? I mean, you know, there's, it's the old adage, you know, there's, there's lies, there's damn lies, and then there's statistics. And, you know, and, and I think for the most part, I mean, most everybody's putting out, you know, a lot of this information is, you know, let's face it, it's, you know, going to be politically motivated, depending on who, whichever side puts it out. And I'm a data realist. I just look at the data and, and tell, and, and I, I will tell you across my client base, I think, even though I believe inflation is close to about 15% in, in, in real terms, most everybody's wages are going at exactly the same number of the people who are working for those clients. Now, there's winners and losers throughout everybody else. But I think everybody is kind of moving along and staying in concert with each other for the most part. And, and this is kind of the thing as you look across the broad economy. In the past, when we had runaway inflation in the 70s and 80s that I lived through, you know, it was because we had stupid tax policies with tax shelters and you know we were doing real estate arbitrage where you would take you would create lost properties to deduct losses at 50% sell the property at a gain which that, what sense does that make and and pay tax at a 20% and so there was a 30% tax rate arbitrage in that that that's just bad policy and that stupid stuff well that went away with 1986 reform act and we we've pretty much been you know a, a fairly straight you know, approach to things and the tweaks that have kind of come. I mean, really, I think, you know, right now we kind of have the most neutral tax policy across all entities, corporate, personal, you know, that, that we've had in, in, in quite some time. And and pretty much everything's kind of adjusting. And, and it's like everybody's freaking out. And it's like, you know, uh, if you if you want to learn about inflation, just go live in Argentina. I mean, they, they have 20 percent inflation a month and have had it for years. Crazy. And, you know, and we don't want to be there, but this inflation that we have because of labor is the main issue is, is a situation that it, the tools that they're using to fight against it probably only do more harm than good. And it's kind of there. And, and the only thing that's going to change it, I mean, we ought to be sending, you know, massive uh, recruiting people to bring the best and the brightest uh, immigrants in, into the country to, to meet the workforce. Because name me one sector where there's excess labor in anything. Except for unemployment. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Yeah. You, you can't, you know, yeah. for anybody who makes a statement that, oh, we're taking jobs away from people. No, we're not. We don't, you know, there, there is, there's two, two to three open job postings and, and, and a lot of people actually could hire even more. They just given up thinking of actually growing their business because there's just not an available person to go do it. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, you're seeing everybody who can access international labor, you know, is doing it now that's going to, you know, you'll see some shifts of some people, you know, get freed up because positions were taken up, you know, by, by international people, but in, in shift in that. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, it is a labor issue that's causing this and no interest rate policies. I mean, all they're going to do is, you know, kind of wreck demand for, um, you know, either new home buying, uh, which in the in the hot states, it's not even going to stop that. I mean, I mean, we're so behind in inventory of new homes in the in the southern states where everybody's migrating to uh, that. You know, they're, they're not catching up. Um, it could hurt, you know, the landscape industry and, and some of the contractor trades uh, where people are doing renovations that typically they're going to borrow on a HELOC against their house. And if those rates are a little bit higher, but as long as rates stay 4% or lower, nothing, you know, everything's going to be full steam ahead. As you get to five, there's a few few people that will drop out. If you if interest rates get above five, that's where you're going to see people will pause, you know, and kick the can down the road. And you might see some relief. But right now, I mean, all the contractors I talk to, I mean, I, I talked to a group of, of renovation companies. It's a mastermind group, you know, last month. 
and we were going through all their data and talking to them. And I mean, every one of them has record backlogs mm -hmm. of work. I mean, sales is not a problem for them. Yep. It's getting things done. Yep. And, you know, and that's the part that, you know, that kind of goes to your audience. What they have to be prepared for is, okay, I, I don't think you have to worry too much about demand. What, what our message to your community is, how do you prepare for a very disruptive execution environment, you know, for the work that you're trying to do? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's what we're seeing as well. And, you know, we've never seen such backlogs. I've been doing this 25 years. I've never seen backlogs like this where we're looking at a year and trying to price in a market where you can't lock a number in. It's just things are changing too fast That's right. and trying to have clients that have never dealt with an environment like this, where they're always used to a fixed price model and they don't have to worry about any kind of flexibility in there where we can't in good ethics do it that way. Cause either we're going to get screwed or they're going to get screwed. And I don't like it that way. So, yep. you know, if they're not willing That's to right. do that, we got to let them go. We've done that already, which sucks. But you know, in that case, what happens is when you have such a backlog is you have to manage your money a lot better, right? You can't just, if you have mm -hmm. all this money sitting in an right. account, it's like, look at this, we got this windfall. And then a year from now, when you go to pay payroll or go to pay bills, you don't have any money left because you spent it the year before when you acquired it. So obviously taking the terms of your payment systems and all of that makes a lot more sense. It's a different world we live in now. Um, but what I want to make sure that, you know, the listeners are getting is that, you know, in the contracting world, from what it sounds like, demand isn't going to be the problem. People are going to want what you have. It's a matter of how do you execute and bring it to dollars, right? Bring it to revenue as opposed to it just being right. these wonderful sales that you have. And now all of a sudden you can't find employees or you're paying them more in a three months, six months or a year because everyone else is offering them more. And pretty soon the margins you were going to make on that project are gone. They evaporated. Is that what you're seeing? Yep, it is. Absolutely. And our trends show us that we've already seen a point or two decline in our rolling 12 model for all businesses. But the rolling three, we're seeing a three or 4% decline in gross margin. And so gross margin is revenue minus cost. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have any labor in it. Just just the the businesses that require stuff, materials or subcontractors to do what they do. We're seeing about a 3% profit leak from you name it. it um, I I quoted it, the price changed and Either I didn't have the backbone to go to the customer and get that pro that cost change, and 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 really the other thing you got to understand the way the math works. Well, a lot of people are gravitating to I'll just pass through what my cost change was. Mm -hmm. No, you have to pass through the cost change at your normal margin. Yes, or else you will, by mathematical terms, it's mathematical physics. You will lower your gross margin. And as you lower your gross margin, you're putting more pressure on every operating cost to perform at a higher rate than it can. And, and you have to pass through things at margin, not at its raw cost. And that that's and and what we're seeing is is there's a there's a full of the marketplace of people are just psychologically weak to defend the the environment that we're in. I mean, I am amazed at how many people are reluctant to send through price changes. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, and it's not for egalitarian reasons. Oh, I'm helping my fellow consumer by eating that. Yeah. All you're doing is putting your business at risk to not be in business. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've got clients that resisted price changes when they were told to make price changes. Now they're, they went from making money to losing money. Mm -hmm. Now, now, when when you go past that cliff and you're now underwater trying to climb your way out, you are you are at the potential of not succeeding as a business. Yeah. You, you know, that's actually where, you know, you're at risk of failure. And and I got news for you. This is where the thing that I'm trying to get everybody to understand. This is not transitory inflation. This is going to be with us. And until you see a cavalry of people coming to work in all trades and everything in the economy, we are going to have inflation. And there's nothing, there's no product that you have, there's no service that you deliver that doesn't require labor to do it that is not being affected by inflation. And some are going to be affected more than others, because here's the other side of it. Sad to say, but the, the current workforce is soft. For sure. I mean, they are soft. And I, I just was talking to a group of managed service providers in the IT industry yesterday, and I made this statement, and they all nodded. And I said, I bet you every one of you are very cautious 
to come down on an underperforming employee to correct them just because you're afraid you're going to run them off and they'll go look for another job. Every one of them said, yep. Wow. They're, they're allowing bad performance for fear of, well, I'd rather have a bad performer than a no performer. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I, mean, I, I, I get it. And I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but that is, that is where we're at. And then when one guy told a story, he said, you know, a, a, um, hit, hit, a friend of his son got fired from his job and I mean, got fired from his job and found another job on the way home. Yeah. And at a better, at better pay. Yeah. You see their thing. You see and, the signs and, everywhere. I mean, every, everybody is right. hiring and they can't keep the people because yeah. they keep leveling up, which, Hey, the opportunity is here to do that for sure. And now it's the employer's focus to be able to offer the best value to their people. So I actually don't mind this if people are right sizing their lives, but to your mm-hmm. point earlier, and I want to just nail this because so many I've seen throughout this entire pandemic time and change of economy and all this stuff where prices, when inflation started to kick in, they were holding on their prices. Like, no, 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 I'm afraid to go to my mm-hmm. clients and say, I need an extra five or 10%. And I'm like, that comes directly mm-hmm. out of profit. So if you were hopefully going to get a five or 10 or 15% margin, that erases that section, right? So you're like, okay, I'm doing it for nothing for what? Because you don't have the spine to go out and tell a client the world is changing. My bids weren't, you know, designed for this to five, six, seven dollar gas, you know, just to eat that stuff. Or the other strategy would be, okay, well, I'm not going to say anything about the clients already have signed, but the new ones, I'm going to have them pay a ton more so I can pick up from my mistake before, which I know a lot of people are guilty of doing that. The problem is that it's not your new client's responsibility to pick up the fact that you didn't have the guts to go out and just be honest with people. They understand it. They understand it. And and that's how you're going to run a business in this kind of crazy economy. It's not going to end. It's going to keep going like this. Well, there, there's two leverage points that we need to get our head wrapped around that have changed that are going to be here with us for a while. And number one is your employees now have leverage over you. Yes. We, we've, we've, we've done a handful of very highly specialized, short of, of, of uh, quantity positions that may have been the case. This is across the board. So get used to it. You're going to have to manage people in labor in a totally different way. Second thing is vendors of scarce, hard to deliver, lack of availability products or services now have leverage over their customers. Mm-hmm. And say, so we, we all come from this, the customer's king. You know, in a scarce environment, no, the vendor is king. And it's like, I have what you need. Here's a slot on the schedule. Do you want it? Here's the price. No negotiation. Yep. I, I got, you got five minutes to make this decision because I got somebody else right behind you that wants that slot. Do you want it? Yes or no. And, you know, now we're, we're generally people that are, we're nice people. We've been taught to be customer friendly and, and it's, it's a change for us to think in that way. But like you said, all of people that most of people who listen to this podcast have a backlog of work and limited availability. And, and what you, what you've got to understand is I need to, I'm not always going to have that leverage, but you're going to have it for a while. And, and I need to use it to say, here's the open slot to the highest valuable person. Your availability on your schedule is no different than that new house that just came on the market lists for $500,000 and people are bidding 650. Why is your services any different than that when they're in scarce availability? That's right. And it's a a powerful statement. Yeah. You've got to think differently in terms of if you if you're in that position now if you're selling a commodity that nobody gives a rip about and there is availability okay you gotta yep. you gotta be customer friendly you gotta and and i can be customer friendly and still be adamant about here's my price and here's my availability either it i, I can hold it for five more minutes but i i got somebody on the other line that wants this time zone. so yeah yeah exactly we're gonna do business or not do you see this greg and you're in your you know um in your eyes, do you see this lasting 
another, I know nobody knows for sure, but are you thinking like a year, two years, three years of this demand until things balance out? You think that the Fed's going to get crazy and, and raise those rates up past that, you know, five, six percent range, which will then start stalling the market a bit. Like, what is your gut telling you? I know nobody knows, but what is your gut telling you? Until we have excess labor, it's going to continue. Got it. So tell me when excess labor is going to exist. Got it. Not anytime soon. Yeah. And so, I mean, so one of the nice things, I mean, I've got to present my material in 15 countries around the world, you know, some first world economies uh, presented in Australia, Canada, U.S., um, in, in, um, in, in Europe. But I've also presented in third world economies. I've presented in Kenya and Tanzania and in those places. And what's interesting is, to me, there's only one difference between a first world economy and a third world economy. And that is the speed in which margin flows through from the beginning of the transaction to the end of the transaction. So when a transaction extends in length of time because of bottlenecks, delays, cash, it becomes more expensive, less efficient, uh, and it becomes a higher capital requirement to run that business operation because of the inefficiency. What we enjoy in the US, Canada, Australia is really fast margin in most cases. Now, what we've seen in the contracting world is I guarantee you everybody's experiencing at least double timeframes from the start of a project to the end of a project and sometimes even more. And with that comes inefficiency. And so now the thing is, if the in, in those third world countries, there's not an excess supply of, of contractors. Your, your delays are more rel related to the customer's whims and wishes rather than yours. In our case, it's the other way around. We, we can't get materials. We can't get contractors lined up and synced up and, and do those right things. And so, therefore, we have the ability that even though those things are delayed, I can make sure that every time I'm incurring cost for the customer, they're giving me the cash for that cost. And so I stay cash neutral. And and like I said, we have several groups that we work with in this this arena and like this group of renovation contractors I was talking to um, you know last month is almost all of them are very good at what we call being trade capital neutral. So if you look at accounts receivable work in progress plus inventory minus accounts payable in customer deposits, the net of those is I'm either holding my customers or my vendors money and i don't have any cash in a transaction mm -hmm. i'm just i just got to keep generating enough margin every month for the people that work for me to, to make sure i'm creating margin off of them so that i stay profitable but i'm not having to finance projects mm -hmm. and and what you're seeing is anybody who is not using the the power of the marketplace because there's still some people operating after the old thinking of I'm going, you know, I might take a little bit of a deposit, but, you know, I'm still waiting for the ha half of my payment at the end of the project. And it's like, why would you ever do that? Yeah. I mean, I need to be paid, you know, as I go and, and take draws. And and if a customer is not willing to do that, you know, that's the customer you say no to, mm -hmm. you know, because that, that's just an incredibly low return on investment, you know, type situation. But if I can take my trade capital cash out of the equation, bill as I go, I I can be much more margin efficient and still be nicely profitable, but I also don't get hurt if a project gets delayed. It's when projects get delayed and I'm holding the cash, that that's when you get sunk. And if anybody's listening to this and you're not requiring payment as you go or you pull off the job, you, you got to stop that. I mean, that, 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 that's just, and, and you got the perfect leverage point to change the terms environment yep. given the current economy. So if, if I'm hearing you right, uh, Greg, you know, it's, it's a matter of making sure if you have a $20,000 job and you get a deposit for that, we're not going to get into percentages yet, but you get a deposit for that mm -hmm. and you're then buying materials because we have to buy them way ahead now, right. In order to get things mm -hmm. done. So yep. say it starts in two months and you need to, at least two month window to get your pavers and your, all your material together. And you're, mm -hmm. you take that deposit and you're buying it, but you find that you don't have enough money to buy all the product that you need for that project, then you're taking it out of your pocket, or out of your bank account and buying that product so that you can hopefully get another payment when you start 
Now you're taking your capital and you're putting it into the project. Mm. Uh, the bigger problem is what I'm hearing here is that if you if that project gets delayed for a month or two, then your money is still stuck in that project. And if something happens with that project, right. then it's your money that's that's at risk versus exactly. getting a exactly. bigger deposit up front, making sure your client's capital is the only money in the project so far. If something gets delayed, it's OK. And you're getting progress payments mm. as you're starting, as you hit certain targets throughout the project and at the end. So you aren't waiting for this gigantic slug of cash at the end and then they don't like something or you're waiting six months for a, a something and then your money then gets right. bumped into the project because your contractors aren't going to wait or your your staff's not going to wait is that do i have the right mindset there uh, absolutely yeah. and, and and the thing is i mean what what customer is going to argue with i need you to pay me at least everything that i'm having to spend money on your behalf on yeah. why, why can't you pay me that now yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and hold $100,000 of your money and three months from now, I'm going to spend that $100,000. Yeah. I don't need that. Yeah. And and that that that's not, I mean, some people can get that, you know, and and, and there's there's charlatans out there that, that do that in, in the contracting world. And we all, all know it that, you know, if you've got good reputation and you've got performance, um, you know, uh, reputation, you know, in the industry, you, you can require that and, and no, no good customer that you want to have, you know, should say no to that. And if they do go find you a different customer, Yeah, 100%. Um, because I guarantee you that, I mean, all the companies I work with, I mean, a lot of, I mean, I'm telling you, there's only a handful. And the first thing we attack is that you're not getting the right terms. There's no reason to not get money as you incur costs yeah. in, in the current environment. Um, and, and, and so if, as long as you're doing that, then it's just a matter of, can I get enough throughput? And, and here, here's the thing I always tell people that the biggest thing that I see right now, we got companies that have $10 million of capacity and they're getting $8 million past the cash register. Hmm. That's not good. Tomorrow That's Mike. called, I'm probably going to break even hmm. or make less money because I, I, I'm I got to get stuff past the cash register. And, and I was telling these guys yesterday that I was talking to, I said, how many of you, and, and this is, this is a workforce psychology thing. What COVID taught us is it's okay to let stuff slide. That, that, that is the, the biggest downside that we learned in the last two years with COVID disruptions is people said, you know, we didn't go back to work for a week and the world didn't end. Well, it didn't end, but there was a lot of other mitigation of things, you know, that, that had to happen. And, and the other thing that's really sucking up the, the labor capacity at the moment is I think labor is working at at least a 10 to 20% less productivity rate hmm. than what it was pre-COVID. And, and, you know, like I said, you push anybody to work hard, to be super productive, they're going, I'm out of here. I, you know, I, I want to go, I want to go someplace that'll let me lean on the shovel for a bit, yeah. you know, and I'm not, not going to have to work it as hard. And I'm going to go to a place that, you know, isn't pushing to get projects out. And, and, and I always like to, you know, when I talk to groups, I said, all right, here, here's the test. Let's think about the month of March. How many of you got everything done in the month of March that could have gotten done in March that was within your control? I'm, I'm taking stuff off the table that was out of your control, but did you get everything done that was within your control? And the universal answer is no. Mm -hmm. And well, what happens to those things that you could have gotten done that was within your control? Well, it slides to April, but now it's blocking April's productivity yeah. and it's going to happen again. Yep. And, and what we're seeing is every day it's, oh, I just didn't get to that every week. Oh, I just didn't get to that. Mm -hmm. Every month, I, well, I just didn't get to that. And it's like, this is, this is a productivity crisis, I think, that is, is, is a big hangover from COVID and in every industry, you know, right now. Wow. And granted, I mean, and, and so this is kind of that sliding thing that economists really struggle with because, I mean, productivity is hard to measure. Um, I mean, fortunately, our labor efficiency ratio concepts you know, really help us understand because when, when I've got kind of a consistent headcount and I'm seeing labor efficiency ratio go up or down, that really is a, a, a super good productivity measure. And I can tell you, for the most part, you know, people, you know, the only thing that's making labor productivity rates go up is raising prices. Mm -hmm. It, but but people aren't getting more out. Nope, yep. 
we almost, you know, you, you could almost make an argument. We might even be in a recession at the moment if you could actually measure, you know, output. And, you know, because, you know, we didn't, we weren't able to hire any more people. We're charging more for it. I mean, our hundred company model tells us that our hundred companies is about a billion dollars of revenue. So it's a good data set. It was up 26% last year, hmm. year over year. Wow. 26%. You know how much labor went up? 22%. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, so I'm telling you, I mean, at least 15% of that is inflation. Yeah. Yeah. At least. So it's, it's not just doing it. more stuff. Yeah. So Greg, and as, as a contractor owning a contracting business out there, startup or been in it a long time, what should we be doing to, I know we've talked a lot about different things today, but what comes to mind is some other things we can do in order to prepare ourselves for the, the next, you know, until this labor thing is figured out or the next big thing happens that we're not ready for. But like, how can we prepare our businesses for, to thrive in this crazy world of this winter coming? Like, how can we prepare that our businesses now? So we don't wish we did. Well, and, and, and certainly the, the real estate state related industries are more sensitive to interest rate changes, you know, than, than any others, you know, but, but here, here's the, the rules that got our clients through the 08 recession is that number one is this was really when we came out with our two months core capital target concept. So number, number one is, is don't be in debt in the business for the line of credit, you know, type debt. I mean, if you have a note on a working piece of equipment over its normal use for life. I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, that's essentially, it's effectively rent, mm -hmm. you know, when you're doing that, but be, do not be on lines of credit. Um, make sure that you, you be at line of credit at zero and have two months of operating expenses in cash. So that's all it's everything other than cogs of what your normal monthly expenses are. Okay. Cause what we found was is in the OA, when our clients who followed that cash and no debt, philosophy in 2009 10 and 11 they had three very very profitable years okay. and so when the marketplace gets disruptive and you have cash and no debt you business doesn't go to zero i mean and, and so let me let me give you a framework so we said 2008 we went into a recession well we were a 14 trillion dollar economy you know pre-recession we dropped to 13.5 trillion we didn't go to zero. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, and, and so, yeah, the things that were overheated, yeah, there was a delay. But see, that cash gives you a buffer to kind of hang in the game, you know, and, and do that. And, and it still kind of goes to the personal side of be, beware of putting pressure on your business to give you those profit distribution dividends that you actually live off of and not living off of your salary. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that part of it's huge. The more, the more pressure that you make your business have to distribute profit to you to fund your lifestyle, you're putting your business at risk to go through difficult periods uh, and, and limited staying power. Um, and, and so, you know, it, and I, I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, on the personal side, I mean, have a paid for residence. I mean, you know, when you don't owe anybody anything, you can kind of hang in there a long time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, it's not a, you know, it sounds great to go buy stuff. And yeah, yep. oh yeah, let's, let's do it. Oh, I can leverage. Yeah, I can make that mortgage payment. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've got clients with multi-million dollar houses that we've used their profitability to pay off those houses and have no debt. Yeah. And, you know, when things get squirrely like this, that's when they say, you know, I'm, I'm glad you told me to do that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, so that helps. So once you get those foundations, those are capital decisions. And, and so once you get the capital right, then the focus is be profitable with what you've got. And, and, and so to be profitable with what you got, it, it also one more capital thing I do want to accentuate that we already talked about is make sure that you don't have your cash invested in projects, use your customers or your vendors money because yep. the marketplace the, the dominant thing in, in this industry says you can get it. There's no reason for you to be using your money uh, to fund a project that might have delays. And if it gets delayed, fine. I mean, you're, you're cash neutral on it yep. and, and go to the next project that, that can move along, you know, in that process. So then it's, am I profitable with those projects? And this is, this is, as you alluded to earlier, contractual. Make sure that is if I quote something, 
If that cost changes, I'm able to pass through that cost, not just at cost, but cost plus my normal margin. Exactly. I'm going, yep. I'm going backwards if I don't add the margin to it. And then in terms of, of labor, you know, just make sure that you adjust. If you self-perform anything, almost treat your self-performance almost like a fixed price contract. Now, I can probably control that piece a little bit better because I know what I pay my guys and, and all those kind of things. And so typically when in the contracting world, you're, most people are getting caught by a material price changing on them uh, significantly and, and, and also being delayed significantly. And then a contractor coming back to you and saying, hey, I can't do it for that price. My costs have gone up and here's my new price. And you, you just got to have contract flexibility. And, and yeah, you got some customers that are going to say, oh, I can't do that. It says, well, you know, go, go find you a contractor that will let you do that. But you're not going to find if, if you find one of those guys, they probably won't finish the job. Yeah. You or know, won't that, be able that, to come back and fix do. things that break. They just disappear after they run that's out right. of money because they can't run a model, a model that way. It just will not work. And, exactly. And, and and I think as you explain it to people in a in a fair and balanced way of going, listen, I, I have to make a margin off everything I do or else I won't exist. I can't, I can't fix prices in a world where prices are changing daily. Yes. I, I, I can give you a fixed quote for 30 days. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, 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 and the thing is, is there, then, and this is what you end up doing. And this is for people who haven't been collecting enough up front. This is an easy way for you to get into the process of doing it. Say, listen, I, I need you to pay me this up front. I know it's a big number, but I got to go buy the materials and order them at today's price because I don't know what tomorrow's price is going to be. Yep. And now, and, and the one thing to keep in mind, if it's going to take nine months to do it, it's ordering the materials at a price and a margin where it also covers my storage costs yes. as well. So do I have extra storage fees, mm -hmm. you know, those kind of things yep, yep, you know, yep. as well. But, but that's really kind of the mindset of saying, hey, I'm going to take this money and lock in that price and now make sure you do it. Now, if you don't, then that, that one's on you because yep. they did give you the money and you didn't order it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's that's stupid. That's a stupid tax. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So if I'm hearing yeah. you right, the yeah. the goal here is to make sure you have two months of at a minimum two months of operating expenses. You know, put that aside. You're making money now. Things are good. There's tons of demand. So put some money mm -hmm. away. Squirrel it away. And also try to run your company as as little to no debt as possible. Now, when you say no debt, I know a lot of guys starting out. They've got to go out. And you did mention this, but I want to go a little deeper into this. When mm -hmm. they're buying equipment. You know, I see guys that are out there going out and buying their, their mm -hmm. truck, their second, third, fourth truck, and they're going to put a trailer behind it. They're going to mm -hmm. go out and buy excavators and, and skid steers. They're going to buy all this, uh, you know, specialty equipment for, uh, you know, to make their, mm -hmm. their entire teams more efficient. And so they don't have to work as hard because mm -hmm. of the softer market. We got to make sure they have better tools to work with and more efficiency. So what should we be thinking about or what should the listeners be thinking about when it comes to buying all that equipment, taking on all that debt, even though it is creating cash, right? We need that. What is, is there any kind of logic you have in that when it comes to businesses buying equipment? So this is where, you know, the world of accounting makes it hard for entrepreneurs to understand. And so, so I want you to, I want you to use a real estate concept called cash on cash return. You know, so if a, if a real estate guy goes and buys a million dollar building, he has to put $200,000 down and then finance 800,000. And, and so the way a real estate investor looks at that building is I've got, if I want to make a 10% return on that building, cash on cash, I need to have $200,000 net cash flow to match off, I mean, $20,000 uh, net cash flow, you know, a year offset against my $200,000 investment mm -hmm. after income net of expenses, net of debt service, mm -hmm. principal and interest. So they actually yeah. treat principal and interest as an expense mm -hmm. relative to that cash on cash return. In reality, in the production, productive equipment debt financing model, do it the same way. I mean, that, that no payment is an expense. It's a nut that I got to get over. And I know the accountants, you know, that listen to this will freak out, but it's like, listen, I mean, that's how every practical entrepreneur understands it. You know, if I'm making a thousand dollar a month truck payment, it's an expense. Yeah. I mean, but that truck's going to get wore out, you know, over the lifetime, maybe my, you know, 
current market, it might be worth more, but but it'll settle up in the end and it'll roll to the next truck. I mean, it's not the last truck I'm going to buy. And, and, and same thing with skid steers and any of those you know pieces of equipment. The financing world is readily available in those. Now, the thing is, and I don't go just because you're you're financing it and making a monthly payment instead of stroking a check for it uh i don't need more equipment that i can't produce stuff with but you know that's where you got to look at what am i paying for that piece of equipment and what's the value that i'm creating you know off of owning it versus you know and and, and looking at going down and renting it on occasion of when i need it and yeah. having to deal with delays or, or those kind of things um and so those are those are where you got to kind of do the trade-offs you know but but i i think the best way to look at it is is think of that note monthly note payment as an expense in your books not as a on the balance sheet and 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 through depreciation and all those things because i got news for you if you just if you just expense every payment that you make plus or minus the final payment that you either make when you get rid of it or income that you get back when you sell it for more than 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 what you owed on it you get to the exact same number across the length of time in accounting as booking the asset depreciating it and having principal and interest calculations and splitting every note payment which one sounds easier yeah exactly I think expensing the note payment, you know, actually makes the most sense. But like I said, my peers just freak out when I say that. And it's like, it's because you guys don't understand how people make money. Yeah. You know, and it's because the real estate guys have figured this out a long time ago, you know, in terms of how they look at it. And, and, and it makes sense, yeah, you know, absolutely. at the end of the day. That sounds great, Greg. So uh, in wrapping up here, is there anything else you want to drop on our listeners based on this conversation that you think can help them? Or have you said your piece? Well, I mean, I think you've got to be a little more wary and keeping an eye on things of shortages of products and things that you might be sensitive to. And so where if you do have some excess cash, there's certain materials and things that can be in short supply. Uh, if you know that you have common things that that are always in need and always, you know, need there, uh, you know, if, if you're, you know, keep an ear to the ground of all your supplier networks and those things, and, and you know, you might need to buy some stuff ahead, hmm. um, you know, just for, for safety stock. I think most of my clients right now that carry inventory items are, are, are spending more money to make sure that they have it than to wait and risk, you know, on the back end of going, I can't get it as when I need it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's kind of the, the, the different aspect of so it. So buying it at today's market, you know, numbers and being able to forecast with, yeah. you know, if you're buying certain things, you use tons of, and you can get rolls of, you know, uh, straw matting or whatever the hell it might bags of seeds, something yeah. that you can keep for a while and be able to buy it today and be able to sell it at a margin as opposed to not knowing what three days from now it's going to be. So trying to buy that, if you're going to have to do some investigation of some of those nondescript things that you use all the time that you really have to have may not appear to be a critical item. And you're thinking, oh, they'll never run out of that. I got news for you. So we had shortages of foam that kept the furniture industry from having product in in 21 foam. I mean, who would think we'd run out of foam? Right now, we've got shortages of cardboard Hmm. just because of China lockdowns. And cardboard's kind of important yeah you know but for sure nondescript you're thinking oh well, no big problem. yeah it is a problem yeah uh you got phosphate shortages i mean the fertilized problem is going to be massive yeah i mean we're, we're we're looking at you know some of the guys i follow and supply chain stuff i mean we, we got some serious food issues coming in the fall of this year and, and next year because of this phosphate issue um and, um, you know, so so once again, we, we can't stick our head in the sand and we, we we've enjoyed 25 years of just in time inventory of stuff when we needed it and or within a reasonable time of when we could get it. And you, you to think that that is going to continue, it may in certain things, but it won't in all things. And it'll be the least stupid little thing yeah. 
that will keep a whole project from being completed and built. Yep. So we got to prepare within our, our structure, our payment structure to be prepared for the fact that things are going to take longer, especially with integrated projects. If you're doing outdoor living with mm-hmm. patios and pools and roofs and decks and blah, 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 just keep adding to it. The chance, the risk factor is so much higher there because you're, you're exposed to a lot more items. So, you know, mm-hmm. making sure that you're, that the cadence of your payment terms are always in your favor and that you're using the client's money. I think that's one of the huge nuggets here that was taken away, you know, that, that should be taken away from this is to make sure you're always using their money. It's their project. And if you don't have the, the guts or the, or the, the, the understanding of how to have that conversation with your clients, you know, reach out to us here at Yes Express. We help you with that conversation. We help you with many conversations, but it's the communication side because when you spin it around and the clients can see what's in it for them, for them to follow your mm-hmm. lead and what you're asking for, and they can see why, the next thing you know, those conversations, they don't have to be, uh, you know, combative or confrontational. They can be very simple conversations and we have them every day with our clients now. We don't have an issue with that. So it's really a matter of just understanding how well, to have well, and it. I think, well, in, in that too, is also think about, you know, uh, I, I, I can't be so lazy to have a product that solves a problem. I need to have two or three sources yeah. of, of interchangeable products mm-hmm. that can finish a project that I, I get stuck and have alternative fits finishes, you know, that, you know, sometimes the, you know, we have it because it's convenient, but the customer goes, Hey, I just want it done. And yeah, that that's not that big of a difference. If I substitute a product just because it's available, whereas something else might not be. No, it makes perfect sense. Greg, as always, thank you very much for taking your precious time and being on here and helping our, our listeners and, you know, navigating these crazy times. And as you guys know, you know, our goal is to impact and empower 2 million people in the next four and a half years. And we're well on our way to that. Thanks to all of your incredible sharing of this information and, and, you know, with your friends and family. And, you know, if you continue to do that, I'd be forever grateful. And, uh, cause if we can help all of our brothers and sisters in this industry and other industries, uh, in the contracting world by listening to experts like, uh, like Greg here, and they can get a leg up and get prepared and put that two months away and, and start to pay down their debt and knock it out. And when, when things shift, when so we don't always have, have the, 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 the crystal ball to see the future. This is the best guess right now based on the parameters of what Greg's seeing out there. Uh, but things can shift as well. And we don't even know that, but by, by being prepared, you don't have to worry about not being able to keep your team intact. You know how tough it is to find new people, right? And also to be able to be uh, less stressed when you come home at night, knowing that your business is sitting there waiting, it's prepared, it's ready for just about anything that could come at it. And when you do that, you'll live a much more stress-free life and be able to enjoy working with your business and your team and not being always stressed out about trying to get the next deal so you can pay old bills and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Greg, thank you again for being on the on the show and uh, we'll check in with you guys next week. Appreciate it. Thank you.